Which tight end will pay off more this season, Jordan Reed or Greg Olson? Does the Marshawn Lynch hype train deserve more passengers? And does a contract year equal big production from Sammy Watkins? Plus, the KFFSC commissioner and NFL player agent Farrell Elliott sits in the co-host chair this evening as we discuss the underrated passing attack in Denver, the forgotten running back in Minnesota, and the surprising 12th tight end off the board in the FFPC. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your Eric Balkman Show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour starts now. from the WRST radio studios in beautiful Oshkosh, Wisconsin and heard around the world on the WRST stream. It's the Eric Balkman Show. Thanks a lot, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Gerzakin addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the Eric Balkman Show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host this evening is filling in for the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle Dave Gerzak. He's a longtime NFL player agent that also represents musicians like the Quiet Hollers, Kristen Diablo, and many more. He is also the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, an event now in its 16th year that has expanded even further to other states and countries and is taking registrations now for both online drafts and live drafts in Cincinnati and Louisville. You hear him on the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship podcast that he hosts with KFFSC player Rob Fetcher, and you know him. As the unofficial third host of this show, my pleasure to welcome into one into the show one of my favorite people, Mr. Farrell Elliott. Welcome back to the show, man. It's a pleasure to join one of my favorite people, Balky. You are way too kind. Way too kind. Once again, we've had a massive upgrade in uh, in co-hosting tonight. I, Farrell, I got to <laughs> ask you right at the top. I listened to the Kentucky uh, podcast that you guys recorded. What time of night do you guys record this? It, it, it sounded like you were recording it right in the middle of the night last night. We are late nighters, brother. You know, we're, now think about this. You've got uh, Robbie Fetcher, who has three children, all girls. He has to put, you know, he has to lay down the law, get the girls down, then come out. Jake Hellman, uh, bass player extraordinaire, the Quiet Hollers, has to handle band practice and then show up. And then, of course, you know, I'm part vampire, so that's the better time for me. So it's late. We go late, Balky. You do go late. It also explains why I've never seen you eating anything with garlic in it, too, as well. Coming up on tonight's show is Isaiah Crowell, about to become the darling of fantasy drafts. What 2016 bus spent his offseason working out with Randy Moss? And should you be worried 
about Andrew Luck, plus much, much, much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you all might have in there if you want to connect with us on Twitter. The show is at HSFF Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. Farrell and the KFFSC is on Twitter at KFFSC. You can post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash HSFF Hour. And if you want to chime in and talk with us, our phone number is 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. Of course, the email inbox is highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us here on this holiday weekend, our producer, mutual friend Rob, and audio engineer Bryce will get those to us later on in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. I do want to talk about the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, but before we do, I want to just uh, let everybody know, in case you missed the emails this week or the FFPC social media, kind of an interesting week for the FFPC. The Football Games Players Championship is live, has been live for almost a month now, $250,000 grand prize, $2 million prize pool, but the early bird deadline is tonight. So if you are listening live, if you want to get in on the FPC and get a free Football Guys Insider Pro subscription valued at $30, you can get in right now and get that for free. If you want to buy a three-pack, you will get your Football Guys membership for three years. So it is a very good deal. And today is the last deal uh, night to the, that you can get that deal. Make sure you're signing up at myffpc.com. If you haven't heard, we're at Planet Hollywood on the Strip for our live events this year at the FFPC. Uh, sign up for our main event in our high-stakes leagues that are actually filling up fairly quickly, even quicker than they did last year, and they're pretty quick last year. $250,000 grand prize, $1.7 million prize pool in that. Our satellites are open, both draft experts and super flex, starting at $35. Dynasty starting at $77. And we introduced the double-up this week at the $35 level and the $250 level. It is a 12-team league. All you got to do is finish in the top six. That's it. No huge risks that you need to take. You don't have to try to win the league and swing for the fences. Finish in the top six, and you will get two free teams next year. So if you sign up for a 35 double up, you finish in the top six, you get two three free $35 teams next year. Same thing with the 250 as well. So it is very, very, very exciting time for the FFPC, as this is the last day in June and I know as we are ramping up with the FFPC, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship is also ramping up as well. If you have not signed up yet, go to kffsc.com, facebook.com slash kffsc, and of course, squareup.com slash store slash kffsc. So you check that out. Farrell, let's talk about what's available still with the Kentucky uh, Championship this year. What events are still, uh, what, what still has open spots? Is there anything live in Cincinnati, anything live in Kentucky, anything like that? Is there anything online? Tell us what needs to be filled yet. Balky, we've got a lot of opportunities to play. The few things that are off the board are the auction league, which you play in, and uh, the big payback, which uh, Dave Gerzak and uh, Kurt uh, play in. Those, those two are gone. Everything else is open. Cincinnati is filling quickly. Uh, and and it's, uh, we need our Ohio boys to step up because it's very interesting. We have, one, we have one division with one spot left. It has uh, six guys from Kentucky, three from Pennsylvania, and uh, two from uh, other states. Not one son of Ohio uh, in that division. But, you know, it, it's, Cincinnati is a, a much different experience, a smaller experience, but still a live event, and we have a very, very good time there, and that's why it's very popular and why it feels early. But we've got something for you to play, August 20th in Cincinnati, the 25th through the 27th uh, at the Horseshoe, Southern Indiana. One of my biggest regrets, and, and you know, God, God bless my, my life with the FFPC because I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I do 
wish that I had that open weekend so I could go to Cincinnati as well because I have such a great time in Louisville seeing everybody there drafting live. Cincinnati, everybody, I've, I, you know, I've talked to Jamie Cox, Travis Cox, uh, Justin McCord, all these guys who've gone to Cincinnati said, oh, it's, 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 it's so great. We get to do this back-to-back weekends. And there's other people uh, that don't have the opportunity to go to Louisville and they go to Cincinnati. And, and yeah, it, it is a little bit smaller, but it's still awesome. I mean, you get to spend all day drafting. I, I, it, it'd be a, a very fun experience for me. Hopefully, one of these years, I get the chance to, uh, to see you down there. Farrell, a lot of people uh, don't realize that uh, you also uh, have been an avid player with the FFPC for many, many years now, and uh, you obviously host the Kentucky Podcast, so you're very well-versed in fantasy. You're engrossed in it. You know what's going on. Uh, a lot of people say Rob Fetcher is the brains of your podcast, including yourself. I would disagree. I think you guys both bring a lot to the table there. So I got to ask you right now, with the second round sort of shaping up uh, in, in, as ADP has sort of normalized until training camp, seeing a lot of different second round running backs uh, or different running backs go in the second round this year. And they have their share uh-huh. of, of upside, but they also have their warts. You look at Melvin Gordon, Jordan Howard, DeMarco Murray, Todd Gurley, J.H.I., all these guys have ADPs right now in the FFPC of being in the second round. Is there a favorite that stands out for you among that five? There is one, yes. I I really like Howard. I really like Gordon. Howard had to play so many games last year uh, with quarterback roulette. You know, he played a lot of those productive games with uh, Barkley. I have to think he's going to have – as good a year running the ball and perhaps better luck in the red zone. A lot of people don't feel that um, in, in the way I do, but I, I've just got I've just got a vibe that this player continues to improve. You know, there was only seven running backs for 1,200 plus yards last year. He was one of them. I think he does as well. I think the touchdowns move up. Chicago becomes a little more competitive, and he continues to be uh, the top player on that offense. One of the more interesting things, and I was listening to the On the Couch podcast with football guys uh, today as well, Sigmund Bloom, uh, Paul Charchian on there, and they were talking about the fact that Jordan Howard uh, was, or no, this wasn't even On the Couch. I think this was the, the Audible. I get it mixed up. Great stuff at footballguys.com. Uh, anyway, they, you know, Jordan Howard was the second leading rusher in the NFL last year, yet Chicago actually had the most um, – most number of receivers that scored at least 15 fantasy points a game, you know, in a game last year, they had five of them. So they're, they're actually, their passing attack wasn't bad. And Jordan Howard still retained a lot of his value. I I guess there's the possibility of a sophomore slump this year, but for everything that went wrong for the bears last year, that to have Jordan Howard put up the production that he did, despite all that, it, it, it doesn't really get me all that, discouraged about his prospects for 2017 even that the fact that you have to pay a second round pick for him to me it's just he might be the safest lot of of those five yeah i i like him. You know the the player that i don't like in that mix or, or let's say that i like the least in that mix is demarco murray if you paid any attention to the titans as you went into the end of the season henry got much more uh, play and and I expect him to continue that. And there's just too much competition for uh, for carries there, as as opposed to some of the other players. You look at the uh, 
the fact that you, you know, DeMarco Murray did tail off last year. And I, I feel like if you're drafting him in the second round right now, he's going right in the middle of the second round in FFPC drafts. You might actually be paying for his ceiling there. And Derrick Henry continues. Yes. He creeped up quite a bit. And, and then he, he sort of, his ADP lagged a little bit. And now he's climbing back up there again. So uh, definitely a, a situation to pay attention to. Uh, in Tennessee as we uh, move forward into draft season. Jordan Reed, Greg Olson, a couple of tight ends that are three and four off the board. Reed going uh, at the beginning of the third round, 301. Greg Olson going at the 306. Farrell, if you decide in an FFPC draft this year that you're going to be taking a tight end in the early part of the third round, is it going to be Jordan Reed for you or is it going to be Greg Olson? And my heart says Jordan Reed. My head says Greg Olson all day long. Durability and consistency from Olson is what I like. And you know, Cam Newton saying he's going to run the ball a little less uh, uh, this year. Well, we'll see when he gets on the field. But still, um, it's, it's difficult to uh, look at a lineup uh, and, and find one that be makes you feel as good as a tight end with Olson. If Reed, you're always waiting. Uh, for that next head injury, and, and it could be a season ender for him. And, and the fact that you, you get Greg Oles, I mean, okay, you look at the upside, and the ceiling with Jordan Reed is clearly higher, but is he yes. worth, is that upside, is that ceiling worth the risk in the third round when you can get Greg Olson, who's been Mr. Steady Eddie uh, in that offense for, you know, several, several years. Uh, I, I think it just makes sense to to mitigate risk a little bit and try to get Olson on your team rather than Reed in that situation. So I'm, I'm with you. Yep. I actually, I, I find, I, I can't remember the last time. I think the last time I drafted Jordan Reed was when he was like, he wasn't being picked very high, and I don't know if he was coming off a, a concussion or, or some serious injury, but he was my backup tight end uh, that I was drafting, and, and I don't think I've drafted him uh, since then. So, And I've had a lot of shares of Greg Olson uh, over the years as well. Uh, Farrell, Isaiah Kroll is a kind of an, an interesting guy that we've talked about on this show, um, a guy that uh, plays behind a much-improved offensive line this year. Cleveland mm-hmm. sunk a lot of money in free agency. Uh, to to improve their offensive line this year. So that's going to be good for Crowell. He actually had um, more catches. I don't have the official stat, but he had more catches down the stretch over Duke Johnson last year. For as many people that want to talk about Duke Johnson being the pass catcher in that offense, Isaiah Crowell is actually catching more passes than him at the end of last season. So you look at what he could be this year, uh, the sky's the limit. Then you look at what he did last year and the fact that you know, 50% of his yardage actually came on, I think it was like 16 carries. So he had uh, a lot of big plays that I don't know how repeatable they are, um, but then you could look at the other aspect and say, well, look, he did it last year. What's the sense uh, that he wouldn't be able to do it again this year with an improved line? He's currently going in the fourth round of FFPC drafts. Is he a breakout running back that will be on a lot of championship teams this season? I think as we spoke about um, a player earlier, you're looking at, at his ceiling. You've already seen his best football. You've seen his more most explosive plays. This is a player that if you're in a position where you've gone zero running back and you say, wow, it's time now for me to get a running back, and he's there, um, you're going to look at his numbers and say, I can live with him as, a, as my number one running back. But can you? I, I don't know if we get this kind of production from Isaiah Crowell. He's not the player that I want on my team. 
Farrell, is, I, I'm just looking over uh, the show notes uh, tonight, and I don't see it anywhere on here. So I wanted to bring it up because I heard you guys talking about this on, on the Kentucky podcast last night, which actually you can download on iTunes or go to kffsc.com and download it there. It's a, a very good show. I listen to it every single episode that comes out. You list, you look at, you, let's talk about Eddie Lacy here because this is a guy that every single year – Ever since he was, you know, going um, in the first round, the first half of the first round, in some cases the number one overall pick, this is a guy that I've, I, I seem to gravitate towards every single year, and I rationalize it in my head, and, and I, I say I'm not going to overpay for him this year. Well, first it's I'm not drafting him this year, and then it's <laughs> I'm not going to overpay for him this year, and then it's I'm only going to take him at a value. And then I end up grabbing him, uh, you know, in all these drafts. And so I feel like this is the first year I'm finally like, okay, I think I can put Eddie Lacy behind me. I can look at other running backs. Uh-huh. I, I feel like I'm finally over. And then I, I, I taught, I, I listened to the podcast last night and now I feel like you got me back on him again. Tell me why things are going to be different uh, for him in Seattle this year. Because I think he's got people that believe in him. I, uh, I just go back to the one play that frustrated me so much. I think it was against Kansas City. It was a rainy night. Uh, he had a 20-yard rush, and at the end, the ball came loose, and he fumbled. And he goes to the bench. I, and, and he's he's always sort of been the whipping boy of that coaching staff. I think he's going to land in a place that is, is going to give him a rebirth, so to speak, give him a first opportunity uh, to get on the field and play with a little looseness. And I think, I think we'll see something with this player. Now, if he balloons in his weight way up the scale again, all bets are off. But based on where you can get this player, I really like him. Yeah, and FFPC drafts right now. Eddie Lacy still going fairly late. I mean, the end of the sixth round for a guy who was paid to be a starting running back in Seattle, um, you know, and his main competition is two guys that have been very, um, you know, they've been hurt quite a bit in their NFL's career, NFL careers and Thomas Rawls and C.J. Procise. So, all right, I think Farrell's convinced me. We have to take a quick break while I send an apology letter to Eddie Lacy and uh, totally revamp my draft board now that uh, Lacy, I'm back on the Lacy train. We're going to have much more right after this with Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. I'm Eric Balkman. This is the HSFF Hour right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Eric Balkman Show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour rolls on here on this gorgeous 4th of July holiday weekend mm. here in uh, northeast Wisconsin. I'm with uh, talking with Farrell Elliott tonight, uh, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Farrell, you're always out and about seeing all of the, uh, the acts that you represent, all the musicians. Uh, summer is the, the time of music festivals. What do you have planned for this holiday weekend? Just got uh, for the holiday weekend. I am staying in in the confines of beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. Balky in June. I've been in uh, Brooklyn. I've also been uh, in uh, South Side of Chicago, uh, Yorkville, Illinois, for a festival. But my my greatest experience in music is always coming to Appleton for the Mile of Music. And I was with uh, a number of bands that will be there this year. You know, in Appleton uh, on that first weekend in August this year, three through six. 225 pans, 800 performances. You and I, Bucky, are going to make our way to at least 15 or 20 of them. It's going to be great. Yeah, at a minimum. It's it, it's kind of a surreal thing. I don't know how many years they've been doing the Mile of Music. I feel like it's been three or four now. And this is the great five. thing about Appleton. Okay, five. Yeah, exactly. So Appleton is a city of about 70,000 people here uh, in Wisconsin. And there is a, a line, and, and two packers in the chat, he could probably help me out with this, 
uh, of, on both sides of the street on College Avenue, which is the busiest street in Appleton, and just bars lined up uh, on both sides. And basically for an entire week or almost the better part of a week, you have a, a different band playing like every hour at, at all these venues uh, throughout the week. It, it's a fantastic live music festival. The, the people come from all over. Obviously, Farrell comes in uh, from Louisville, and, and I went to it last year. It was a great time. Of course, uh, Tupacker was out there, Dave Gerzak, The Real Leroy. Uh, a great time, uh, and I uh, can't wait. And, of course, Premium Music was there uh, last year as well. So we look forward to that coming up in uh, in August. In Before we get to August, we have – uh, a ton of drafts to get to throughout the month of July, which you can check out at myffpc.com. Farrell, in drafts this season that you have done, that you will be doing, how much of an emphasis are you putting on getting an elite or a stud running back in the first few rounds? Because we saw zero RB used to, um, you know, used by more players than, than ever last season in, in high stakes drafts. And it didn't really work out for the majority of them or, no. or for some of them, I should say. Uh, and we may not see that this year. So for you, for your drafts, are you trying to get a stud bell cow running back uh, in the first couple of rounds, or are you just simply looking for value at receiver, tight end, running back, wherever it may be? You know, here in Kentucky, you can decide where you're going to draft. So you, that that changes everything. I could throw that same question back to you next day, Balky. What are you going to do? Because if you end up one, two, three, you're likely to take one of those three guys. I do not believe in a slump uh, for Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnson, uh, is is obviously going first in Balky. How many drafts have you uh, facilitated? Has Johnson gone first in all of them? Not all of them. I have seen Elliott go first. I've seen Le'Veon Bell go first in a couple of them. Mm-hmm. I saw Brown go uh, first in in one actually. But I would say on a percentage basis, out of you know I don't know four or five dozen drafts I've facilitated, on a percentage basis, David Johnson is is going number one overall in seventy five to eighty percent of them. So if you go, if you're in those first three spots, you really, you really can't look past one of those guys. So if you're not now, you're, and and if you believe at all in the zero running back philosophy, this is a golden age for you because people are jumping on these running backs, and and so the receivers that you're going to to be able to collect, especially at the at the end of the first round or the middle of the first round, they're great bargains. So. Um, you can get everyone to agree who those first three guys are, but I don't think you can get everyone to agree on who the next five guys are. I think there's some people that would argue with our list and some people that would say, well, I don't want uh, DeMarco Murray. Some people don't believe in Gordon. So it's going to be very entertaining. just depends on who the guys you line up with. I want to have one running back. I want to have one running back in those first two rounds depends on where I'm going to end up, where I'm going to draft. I'm not so, uh, you know, I hate the middle, Balky. I hate the middle of the draft, always have. <laughs> but I'm not worried as much about it this year because if, if I'm looking then at the next top three receivers and I'm sitting at the sixth spot and I feel pretty sure that uh, I can get my hands on a receiver that I'm going to love, the one I love the best this year is Mike Evans, and I'm going to be very, very happy with that. And then I'll see what kind of running back I can get in the second round. And I might go receiver there. It's just, you know, I like to take who I think is the very best player. So it's a very exciting time to uh, to draft because uh, it's, it's I, th- I find it's very unpredictable as to what people are going to do this year. And draft boards will look, even even late in September, 
draft boards will look uh, different as you move around the room at, at Planet Hollywood and, and see what everyone's doing. ADP means very little in a lot of these drafts this year. Yeah, especially when we get to the main event where when everybody just throws it out the window and they're just getting their guys no matter what. You look at the one of the great aspects of, of, of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. You use your, your FAB money, your blind bidding, your, your waiver budget – uh, you use that money to actually buy your draft slot. So if you want the number one, you can have it. it, it it's all a matter of who wants it the most. Um, I feel like the last couple of years I've, I've wanted to draft uh, in the back end. I don't know if that's the case this year. I think I might end up paying up and try to get one of those first three spots because I think clearly – uh, if you are going to be buying one of those top three spots in Kentucky, you want uh, one of those top running backs. The middle is chock full of stud receivers. You also see LaShawn McCoy right in the middle there in first uh, of the first round. And then uh, Melvin Gordon, Devontae Freeman hanging around at the end of the first round, the early second round too. So I think you look at it, it's, it's, you know, whatever spot you want to buy, that's, that's basically telling people how you want to start your team. And I, I think, I don't want to say team construction is overrated, but I feel like the, you know, this year more than ever, I'm just I, give me the guy that not only is the best player, but the guy that that the team is giving the most opportunity for uh, to be successful. Give me the yes. guy who um, is the running back that that makes the the engine go. Give me the receiver that is being peppered with tar- Mike Evans, a perfect example that is just being peppered with targets over and over again. Um, you know, Antonio Brown, another perfect example too. Ezekiel Elliott. I think that those guys. It's just, you know, the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid, and, and just mm-hmm. get the guys who touch the ball the most, who the teams are going to give them the opportunity to touch the ball the most. And, and, and I just think that that's, you know, the way to win, not only this year, but every year, Farrell. Yeah, every year. Farrell, let's talk about uh, Golden Tate versus Julian Edelman. And I bring these guys up here. Uh, because as far as the FFPC mm. goes, they're actually going fairly close together uh, in, in drafts right now. You have Golden Tate going at the end of the fourth, early fifth. Julian Edelman, the early uh, early uh, fifth, mid-fifth, sometimes he slips to. You look at um, these guys both playing in, in offenses where they're, they're a big part of it. Uh, maybe Julian Edelman less a part of the offense with Brandon Cook's uh, being added to New England this year, of course, Rob Gronkowski coming back from health in Detroit really didn't do much on offense except for Ed, Kenny Galladay, and uh, you know they're hoping for another step for Eric Ebron. I don't know if they're going to see it this year. But when you look hmm. at those two players between Tate and Edelman, which one do you uh, sort of set, see yourself leaning towards in drafts this year? You're tempted to say this is the same guy. But you know, they're really not. Uh, I look at Tate last year, the drafters that had him – uh, we're, we're pretty much pulling their hair out by week four. Very, very little was happening for Golden Tate. Some really, really poor games, a few targets, very few catches. And then I don't know what happened. Perhaps uh, perhaps there was a meeting in the, in the wide receiver room. Perhaps some coaches stepped in. If you look at games five through 16, Golden Tate was a completely different productive player and, and ended up with statistics that, that were very similar to Edelman. Edelman is a more consistent receiver. You know, there, there's there's other uh, there's other targets there, but Edelman always seems to get his because he and Brady have a chemistry that is hard to argue with. And and it's plus Edelman has a toughness that uh, that, that very few players have. We've seen him play with 
with a myriad of problems, including feet, sprained ankle, uh, that would have put other players on the bench. So, you know, I'm going to lean towards Edelman here if they're in the same place. I really like the Galladay kid at, uh, out of northern Illinois. He's a big, big target. He's he's not uh, – I don't think he, physically he's matured yet. I think he's going to be an even better player as, as the years move on in the NFL. He looks a little bit like a basketball player right now. But I also saw Galladay catch 14 passes in a college game this year. I, th- I think this kid really has a big catching radius and can go get Stafford's passes. So it's, it's going to be pretty cool watching that uh, player develop this year. So I'm uh, I'm going to lean a little bit towards Edelman here, but either player, you'd love to have him on the roster. I'm curious, you know, now that, that – uh... Um, I hear you, you know, speak well of, of Edelman and, and not that you were speaking ill of, of Golden Tate. You clearly like both mm-hmm. of them. Are you, do you, do you feel like Brandon Cooks is maybe a little overrated going at the 304 and FFPC drafts right now? Is he a player that you're willing to take? Uh, you know, if you have that early first round pick when it comes back to you to get Cooks in the early third, is he the type of player uh, that you'd be willing to, to take maybe as your number one receiver or number two receiver at that spot? I would love to have him, but I don't want to pay that much for him. And it's going to be, it's going to be a little hit or miss with him. But the play, but the guy who gambles and hits on it, if Cooks really becomes what, what New England obviously feels he can become, and and there, he becomes a a preeminent number one receiver in that offense. Whoever gambles on him there could find themselves on the leaderboard at the FFPC. So he's that kind of player that you're very tempted to take. I don't want to take him at the beginning of third, but if I'm on that 3-4 turn, that's where I'm looking for him. If I could get lucky enough to get him, uh, I'd, I'd be glad to have him. I think there's big, big plays and a lot of touchdowns there. Speaking with Farrell Elliott, of course, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. You can register for leagues with the KFFSC at KFFSC.com. For more information, you can always go to Facebook.com slash KFFSC. Farrell, I want to get this on the record here with you. We just touched on it a little bit, but I don't think there's I – and you've been on this show I don't know how many times. I mean, probably uh, you know, close to two dozen at this point, be it you know, co-hosting as a guest, um, you know, hosting uh, Pros versus Joes with me or – or uh, what have you, uh, you've been on a bunch. And I don't think you've ever come on this show and not gone out of your way to say how much you dislike picking in the middle of, of, uh, <laughs> of, of the round. You always seem to like the ends much more than the middle. Now, you said something that kind of caught, caught me off guard, that maybe it's not as bad this year. Is this the best year for you that you can remember? Of, and maybe this is a bad way of phrasing it, but is this the – the least worst year to draft in the middle? Are you okay picking in the middle of FFPC drafts this year? Yes, I think so. And I might be getting more comfortable with it. Of course, I got it again last year. Uh, My main event team, I had the seventh pick. And uh, I think people at that time thought I reached a little bit. I took Zeke Elliott, and um, Zeke uh, made a huge difference for me. I ended up runner-up in – in my division. So I, I'm a little more comfortable with it uh, this year. Yeah. From the first round um, and and all the way through the draft, I, I think I can function with it a little bit better. You know, when you're in the middle, you're counting on uh, a lot of drafters to make mistakes and, and something falls to you. 
And when you play at the level of the FFPC, when you play in our thing in Kentucky, you're not playing against people that are going to make many mistakes. And I'm talking about all through the draft. So many times when you're sitting in the middle, you see so many things go away from you, and then you see so many things going away the other way. Um, you know, and I, I'm not the only one that's uh, been bitten with that. Very very early in uh, in playing in the FFPC, I sat next to uh, Mark Moyer once, and uh, he screamed every time I took a player because I got him going and coming. You know, and, and so that's kind of how I feel. Uh, but – it worked for me last year, and if I, if you know, if that's what the cards are dealt to me, I'm going to man up and play it. But I would much rather be at the end. I love the aspect of saying that it, if I have the 11th or 12th spot, that I'm going to get two of uh, the top dozen or so players. And if somebody does make a mistake in my mind, you know, I'm going to move up a little bit. So I like it at the end. We had um, our guest on the show last week, Dan Thomas, uh, who's going to be playing in the Pros versus Joes uh, competition uh, this that the end of July coming up. A longtime player of the FFPC, and he always because he likes to draft early. And you know, we were talking about his teams and what they look like, and he said, you know, Eric, and I, I, I look at my teams when I'm done drafting this early, and none of them look good. Uh, because there's so many strange names on them. There's names that you wouldn't associate for, for being listed at the spots that I got them in. They just look weird. They look bizarre, and I don't like them. And I think one of the weird names to me, uh, at least uh, this year, is seeing the number 12 tight end go off the board in the FFPC. It's Jack Doyle, and he's going in the eighth round of FFPC drafts right now. This is a, essentially a guy who's being drafted as a quote-unquote starting tight end, in these 12-team formats, and he's going in the eighth round of this tight end premium uh, scoring system here at the FFPC. Farrell, does, does that seem like, uh, you know, we'll do the Goldilocks analogy, uh, too early, too late, or just right for Jack Doyle? That's too early for Jack Doyle, and it'll prove out. You know, if, if he's the 12th-rated tight end, that's essentially all he's ever going to be is the 12th-rated tight end. Uh, when, when drafters see... Uh, some of these rookies, Howard, uh, Evan Ingram with the Giants. Uh, how do you pronounce the kid with the Browns? And David, David Njoko. Oh, Njoko. Sure, yeah. Njoku from Miami. When people see these players, they're going to forget about blue-collar Jack Doyle from the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, that uh, the old uh, New York Giants uh, offensive lineman that they refer to as Bag of Donuts. That's kind of uh, what Doyle reminds me of. And Doyle is a very, very solid player. But he is just that, a solid player. There's some star ball. You know, they're, yeah, Fleener, uh, it went rough for him last year. It'll probably go better this year. Vance McDonald is a tight end who – who, uh, you know, look what Hoyer did with Barnage. Uh, Hoyer's going to have to have some targets out there to throw to. Vance McDonald is one of them. So I think we're going to see a lot of guys move up in front of Doyle, and the people that are drafting Doyle, if they're drafting him in the eighth round, uh, now they're they're not going to like their team as much as they could have. So begin to look at some of these players that are going to get some, uh, that are going to get some playing time, some of these young players coming to the league. At that position, Farrell, you, you know you're a draft experts guy. You love the best ball format. You've drafted uh, in, in a bunch of them over the years. Conversely, if you're not on Jack Doyle in the eighth, you look at what Eric Swope could do in that Colts offense. He's not going until the 19th. To me, 
that's like the type of guy you'd want in, in an FFPC format as your number three tight end. A uh, lot of upside, and you can get a pretty late you get them pretty late in drafts. Yes, and I'm, if I'm going in the FFPC format of drafting 28, uh, I'm going to look for I'm going to look for four, maybe five tight ends. So, uh, and, and they're out there. There's some players out there uh, that, that can play the position. One of them uh, doesn't even have a team yet. One of them doesn't have a team. One of them doesn't have a team. I, th- I think one of the one of the interesting players to to pick if you're in one of those formats here is 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 Gary Barnage becomes a very interesting player. I I imagine that uh, he and his representation are are waiting for the right opportunity. They're waiting for somebody to guarantee some money beyond the uh, uh, beyond the veteran minimum, and he's going to move. Uh, and, and even in redraft leagues, uh, he may still be he may still be on the street through week one, two, or three. But you know, no one's playing their seventeen, eighteen round draft pick in week one, two, or three anyway. There's a player that you can draft and see where he's going to end up because it, he's better than most every team's number two. So many of these teams want to use 21 personnel and play the two tight ends. So it's a situation that if also if somebody goes down, Barnage comes in and becomes quite a target at tight end. I, I love the idea of drafting him late. And the latest around the NFL right now regarding Barnage is that Baltimore might be looking at, the, at uh, Gary Barnage. And if you remember, they had a guy in Baltimore last year who wasn't even slated to be the starter, uh, who had to step in when Ben Watson tore his Achilles. Dennis Pitta comes in, uh, him and his, you know, whatever number hip replacement he was on, he caught 86 yeah. balls uh, in that offense last year. So you look at Gary Barnage, a, a guy who uh, really crushed it on a, on a bad Cleveland team. Makes a lot of sense in Baltimore as well. So definitely uh, got to pay attention to. Farrell, uh, you know, you, you just gave us Gary Barnage as a potential late-round sleeper in, in the FFPC DE format. But an early-round guy that uh, you don't think you'll be getting on too many teams because you're avoiding him, because there's, there's a lot of bust potential with him, give us that guy. And then uh, a guy that is flying under the radar along with Gary Barnage uh, that you're going to actually try to target in a few leagues this year. Probably a bust potential it just means that the other first round picks are going to outplay him. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from Des Bryant this year. I think the Cowboys are a team that's built to rush the ball. I think they've got a passing attack that is going to be a little more conservative. Uh, they're not going to have to they're not going to have to hit it downfield quite often. And Bryant will no doubt have his big games, but I see lesser targets for. For Bryant than I do any of those receivers that are on the board at the end of the first round, beginning of the second. So I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna stay away from from Bryant, and I'll throw uh, Gronkowski in there. There's a player that that I would stay away from too, uh, just um, because of everything he's been through physically. Uh, I'm ready to just uh, avoid that at all costs this year. And a player that uh, maybe, you know, in these FFPC, in your main event FFPC or in your, your draft experts league, or, or maybe what you could give us is some insight into to the KFFSC, a guy that you think is, is flying under the radar uh, based on what your conversations have been with Kentucky players that are going to be drafting this year shortly, uh, a guy that uh, you think is, is being underrated right now. Underrated. That's, you know, there's so many... 
I I just admire so many players. I don't think I ever underrate anyone. You know, on the show I did with Fetch yesterday, uh, I, I guess I'll replay that. I'm a big Adam Thielen fan in, in Minnesota in that offense with the offensive coordinator Schumer uh, coming in. I'm a big fan of, of him, uh, a player that's dropped down the boards, and you would have to tell me where he's being picked. But uh, Sterling Shepard, who I was very high on last year and rewarded uh, in my belief in him, especially when he found the end zone eight times, I I think we're dealing with a player here that's continually improving. I, I I don't think there's a sophomore slump. I also understand there's more targets there, but but I think this player is going to be a featured player in this offense. And as Eli approaches five thousand yards, a lot of them are going uh, a lot of them are going through Shepard. So I, I like uh, I continue to like Shepard when when other people have uh, have possibly said goodbye to him. And you know my my some of my twentieth round wonders, uh, yeah, you know they're they're definitely out there. I absolutely, I absolutely love them, and I'll find them as uh, as training camp goes on. Just because uh, just because Eric Decker was signed down at Tennessee, don't look away from uh, Taiwan Taylor, who should be very very productive in that offense. And you know I could go on and on with those guys, but I will. Uh, I may not draft the most complete teams, but if there was an award given for the 18th through 20th round, sometimes I think I'd win it every year. Oh, the, the 20th round wonders sounds like a fantastic uh, team name for you uh, in the FFPC <laughs> this year. Uh, you, you did name, by the way, two, uh, well, really three double-digit guys. Taewon Taylor not going in 20-round in uh, drafts right now with uh, the FFPC. He's a guy that's going right around there in draft experts formats. But then you look at Sterling Shepard, the 1407 is his current ADP, and Adam Thielen still technically a double-digit round pick as he is going uh, at the 1001 in uh, in drafts right now. The football guys draft, so uh, you know a couple of guys that. And I talk about the sweet spot. I was on the uh, Roto Underworld uh, podcast uh, with Matt Kelly, which, by the way, if you're not listening to Matt Kelly's podcast uh, on PlayerProfiler.com/podcast, you're doing it wrong. This guy is one of the most entertaining. Uh, guys in the industry, a guy who's going to be drafting in pros versus Joe is going to be drafting in the FFPC main event live uh, at Planet Hollywood this year. I had a blast. It was almost a two-hour podcast, and we were talking uh, about a, a lot of different things. We got into prom dates, donuts, the usual suspects, a little fantasy football as well. It was a great time. Um, but we were, but we, you know, we were talking uh, about um, uh, a lot of different things on that show, and Matt Kelly would actually uh, agree with me in saying that there is a sweet spot in the in the FFPC in that ninth to eleventh round, there's a lot of guys who are going to be target hogs in there who we perceive as going to be yes. target hogs in those in those offenses, including Jeremy Macklin, Eric Decker, Adam Thielen, like Farrell just brought up, Tyrell Williams, who's being underrated right now, Cameron Meredith, Mike Wallace, you know, all these guys. Uh, Corey Coleman is another guy. Quincy Anunua, for goodness sakes, all these guys have the potential to have a ton of targets on them this year, and you should probably be hitting at least one of those guys, maybe two of them, in that ninth, tenth, eleventh round. Uh, in uh, a fairly good share of your drafts this year. I feel like that is going to be a big key to success, uh, not only for FFPC yep. drafts, but for Kentucky drafts as well, Farrell, because everybody always is trying to get those receivers in Kentucky. And if it, let me, and we're going to talk much more about Kentucky as we move on throughout the rest of the podcast. But for anybody who is too excited to listen to the rest of the show uh, without <laughs> signing up 
for a Kentucky main event team, uh, for any of those teams that are still available uh, live in, in Cincinnati, Louisville, or online, what is the best way for them to jump in to the KFFSC this year? Everyone that everyone that's a millennial can go to the website kffsc.com and 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 follow all the links and and go to Facebook, follow all the links and get to us and, and sign up online. It's always great to open up your uh, open up your computer and see all the players that have joined the league. But if you're an old school guy like me and you just like to talk on the phone and get to know get to know people, uh, my number is five zero two five two three. 5057. We're working through the holiday weekend. I love working holidays, Bucky. Take work work like hell on every holiday except Christmas. You know, and and I'll be there 502-523-5057. Give us a call. We'll talk about it. Find out what you want to do. Maybe tell you some things that you should do and you can figure it all out. You know, Danny Mueller and Jeremy Roach are coming in this year after playing online last year. They booked a whole schedule of events with us to spend the entire weekend at Balky. And, and, and all all he says to me, all Danny says to me is, I want to I want to draft against Eric. I want to draft against Eric. So we'll see that. <laughs> hey, we'll, listen. We'll see that too. He's holding a terrible grudge against the Balky, Danny Mueller. He, he, he knows uh... – he knows the easiest way to win is those 11 team leagues uh, with me as the 12th team. So he, he knows uh, how to butter his bread in those. And I'll tell you what, Jeremy Roach and Danny Mueller, both former guests of this show, they have the, the Brad and Tim Cruz strategy of let's, you know, we're going to be drafting all weekend. Let's draft in every single draft we can and maximize, uh, you know, the most fun that we can have. So I have no doubt that those guys will, uh, you know, I'll, 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 bash heads with them more than once uh, in Louisville this year. That's very cool that they will be drafting live. I'm very excited about that. I'm very excited to continue to talk to the commissioner, Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. We have much more with him. I'm Eric Balkman. This is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. I'm going to answer uh, some emails, get to some news right after this on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Happy early July 4th to everybody out there, unless you're downloading this later, in which case I hope you had a great happy 4th of July. Uh, This is Eric Balkman on the Eric Balkman Show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, co-hosting with Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, NFL player agent. Always great to pick your brain on that, Farrell. Uh, Very exciting stuff as we go in to the rundown tonight. I want to thank Football guys, Roto World, uh, Draft Sharks, and of course Rob for tonight's rundown preparing this. Let's talk about what's going on and the end of, around the NFL right now. This is a, the slow season, but this is there's still stuff out there that you can read between the lines mm-hmm. and get a leg up on your uh, your league mates, uh, the guys that you will be drafting against, the guys that you're drafting against right now, and try to get that competitive advantage. Legarrette Blunt uh, can earn fifty thousand dollars if he weighs between two hundred and forty and two hundred forty five pounds. On uh, the day the training camp opens for the Eagles, this according to a uh, source from Field Yates uh, from ESPN.com. Uh, LeGarrette Blount has always been a big back. He was the big bruiser that scored 18 touchdowns for New England last year with uh, the Eagles probably letting Ryan Matthews go. I, I know we, I saw a report uh, from, well, it wasn't a report, but it was a quote from Darius Sproul saying that he expects Ryan Matthews and LeGarrette Blount to share the load, uh, the running back load this year, uh, with Sproles being the third down guy. Um, they, they have some small guys on, on that team in Pumphrey and Sproles that, that would be the passing, 
you know, pass catchers in that offense. But you look at LeGarrette Blunt, Farrell going at the 10-02 for a starting running back, that seems cheap to me. I know he's not going to catch a ton of passes, but in an offense that Philly really, uh, you know, did a lot, uh, put an emphasis on improving from 2016 to this year, uh, LeGarrette Blunt seems like he could be a value in the 10th round. There's your zero running back strategy, and if you've if you've gone uh, if you've gone all wide receivers early, why do you need your running back to catch passes? Uh, Blunt makes an an excellent running back, uh, and, and no, he won't get 18 touchdowns, but he could get 10. That's a lot. Legarrette Blunt uh, going at the 10:02 right now in FFPC drafts, and Farrell's right. I mean, if you're getting your receivers early, there's no reason that you need to target pass catchers. Uh, for your running backs that late. So he makes a lot of sense, especially given what he was able to do just last year. It does not seem like he has gone off any sort of a cliff. Uh, you know when we have Farrell Elliott on, we are going to talk Raiders football. And uh, I was not going to let Farrell get away without me picking his brain. On Marshawn Lynch, offensive coordinator, Todd Downing said he's pleasantly surprised me at every turn. Everything that we've seen on him thus far, and of course we've only been in pajamas out there practicing, but what we've seen so far has been fantastic. And I'm as excited as the rest of Raider Nation to see what he's got. Marshawn Lynch, who is 31 years old, did not play in the NFL last year, going at the end of the sixth round of FFPC drafts. Farrell, what's the inside scoop on Lynch? Is he for real? Is he going to outperform that uh, that draft spot right there? No, oh, of course he will. When I ask you, Balky, how many yards is he going to rush for? Just give me a number off the top of your head. Off the top of my head, I'll say 1,100. Okay, 1,100. 1,200 last year, there were only seven guys that did it. So, of course, he's already of value there. You know, the thing about Marshawn, and I haven't spent a great deal of time with him because I've never had too many players where he is, but I've run into him at certain functions, at certain camps where he's coming to support a teammate, showing up, doing the camp, and he is a clown. He's the absolute class clown. And like like all of uh, class clowns or like all of comedians, has a little bit of a dark side sometimes, you know, and, and and so he can be difficult to deal with in certain social situations. But he is, you know, players that come a year away from football um, and can come back, this is very, very unusual that, that players can do that. Uh, it, it, usually they have to leave the game. The reason you don't see it happen very often is players leave the game with some injury some sort of nagging injury that without the treatment that they have on, you know, within the team um, structure, uh, their bodies just continue to fall apart and, and they can't really make that comeback. Lynch just walked away from the game, which means he can walk back into the game, fresh not only physically but mentally in his hometown situation in an area where he's looking to thrive. This is a wonderful signing by Reggie McKenzie. He made a he made a brilliant decision to do this, and I think it's going to work, and I think it's going to work very, very well. You know, he's another guy, too. When you look at um, people who go zero RB, if you, if you get four receivers and a tight end in your first five rounds, you have Marshawn Lynch in the sixth round right now, basically almost anywhere in the sixth round as your number one running back. There's a lot worse ways to build your team than with that strategy. So I, I kind of like that. And I'm with you on Lynch. I think he does have a good season this year. I am on 
the Team Lynch bandwagon. Let's talk about a, a team that he is going to be competing against in that uh, NF, or excuse me, AFC West division, and that's the Denver Broncos. Mike Kliss, uh, who's a Broncos insider, says that he thinks Denver's actually going to be going pass-heavy this year. Uh, the mm. quote from him, it's pretty much the same offense. McCoy uh, passed down to Adam Gase in 2013 and 2014 when Peyton Manning handed off only to allow receivers like Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders to catch their breath. Uh, the Denver offenses uh, weren't quite as you know prolific as far as uh, the passing attack goes uh, that uh, Mike Kliss would, would have you believe. Uh, the 2013 Broncos, second in pass attempts, 10th in, uh, in, tenth in, in pass rate. 2014, 9th in attempts, 16th in rate. If the Broncos get to that level in 2017, though, uh, it would be an improvement. They were 17th in attempts last year, 18th in rate. And honestly, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders outperformed their draft spots last year. And you look at where they're going right now, Farrell. Thomas at the 309, Emmanuel Sanders at the 605. I, have a, I know I'm going to be targeting Demarius Thomas in a lot of drafts this year if he remains at that spot. And Emmanuel Sanders, I'm sure I'm going to have on a good number of teams as well. To me, if you're drafting now, which you should be, you, you should probably be looking at these guys every single time they're still available at those spots because I believe that those guys are at a value right now. Yes, and I like Sanders more than Thomas just because there's nothing particularly against Thomas, but I, there's very, very comparable value there, and I would rather, I would rather wait. It's, it's like you talked about that sweet spot of the draft uh, a clear argument against the zero running back strategy. Look at all this depth and wide receivers that we're talking about. There's tremendous groups of wide receivers. Perfect example, Thomas and Sanders being available. I don't know what's happening in that backfield in Denver, and I just want to stay away from it. I like all the players, but, uh, yeah, they're going to have to throw the ball in a lot of games to stay in the games. And if that's the way their offense is going, who do you want to pick at running back out of that group? I'll tell you right now, in these situations, Farrell, and we, have, we actually have, I think, a, a Facebook message from a listener, and I won't, I won't reveal it uh, uh, just yet. But in those situations, uh, I tend to, if I'm going to grab a piece of it, it's going to be whatever the cheapest piece is. Uh, because I, I just mm-hmm. there's, there's way too much risk with drafting the stud uh, or the quote-unquote starter or even the backup uh, in some cases, I'm going with the cheapest piece. We're going to get to the Denver backfield coming up uh, after the break. Before we get to that, I want to talk about Marvin Jones because he was a guy that underperformed for a lot of teams last year. Had that Gerzak uh, just went off on Marvin Jones, I think the last couple of weeks on the show. He had that massive, yep. massive 200-yard game uh, against the, the Packers and really did nothing uh, outside of that the rest of the season. He actually spent part of his offseason working out uh, with Randy Moss and uh, Jim Caldwell actually likes what he has been seeing from Marvin Jones uh, so far this season. Uh, 408 yards through Marvin Jones' first three games, four touchdowns through his first six, uh, and uh, just really tailed off after that. 26 catches for 401 yards uh, after the last, uh, excuse me, after the uh, first seven weeks of the season. Uh, he was outside the top 70 uh, for receivers last year at that uh, at that portion of the season. He should bounce back. It, it seems like you know people are are having that sour taste in their mouths again. A, a guy going in the middle of drafts, the 12-10 right now for Marvin Jones, Farrell, a, a guy that. Uh, you could get as your number five, maybe even number six receiver, and he could actually pay off for you on those bye weeks when you need to start him. Oh, yeah, but that's the thing. I would need to start him. And, you know, this is we just talked about Tate. Tate was invisible for the first four games and then played well the rest of the year fantasy-wise. 
created numbers. Jones, a great start to the season, and then he became invisible. Maybe we're dealing with an offense here that can only support one primary big, big number wide receiver, big statistical wide receiver in this offense. I don't know. You would look at the numbers of the quarterback and say, you know, 43, 4,400 yards last year. Maybe he gets to 5,000 yards this year. There's enough there for both wide receivers. But it didn't play out that way last year. And I think uh, I think Tate's the guy here. And I, I want to stay away from Jones because I don't want to have to play him. I watched him on Thanksgiving. I didn't even know he was on the field until the fourth <laughs> quarter. But, yeah, so I, I, don't want, I don't want a whole lot to do with Mark Jones. The great thing about Golden Tate is is he really is the only proven guy in that not only the Detroit passing game but in the Detroit offense. You look at what they're doing in the backfield with you know Abdullah and Riddick and Zenner and I guess Riddick you can make the case is proven, but he had some health issues last mm-hmm. year. I mean Golden Tate seems like the the rock solid pick if you're going to go with the Detroit Lion. Uh, Corey Coleman is currently recovering from a strained hamstring again. This is something that he's been dealing with <laughs> since he was playing college ball for the Baylor Football Bears. The wide receiver coach uh, for Cleveland, Al Saunders. Uh, said that he's disappointed that Coleman can't get out uh, on the field to continue his growth, uh, but he actually expects Coleman to return in time for training camp on the 26th, uh, so hopefully he can shake this hamstring injury and really have that breakout season that uh, some people actually thought he might have with uh, the opportunity that he's presented with in Cleveland last year. Corey Coleman, uh, again, in that uh, that mid those those mid-round receivers, Farrell, he's one of them going at the 10-04. What are your thoughts on the prospects for Coleman in the Browns' offense this year. Of all those receivers that we talked about being available in the 10th round, Coleman is is of little interest to me. Now, he's going to be a fine spot in the Browns' offense, but, yes, it is the Browns' offense. And he's already, you know, we haven't started the season yet, and he's already having physical problems. You're talking about guys out in Oakland. The quote was playing in the pajamas. It must be a little cool out there in the Bay Area. But, you know, <laughs> these guys are walking around in shorts and T-shirts. So, you know, when you're already having physical problems, you know, in a hamstring issue, it can be a problem that, carry, that, that follows a player throughout the entire year. This is a speed player. So he's got a hamstring issue. There's question at quarterbacks. This is not a very talented football team. Let's look at another receiver. Yeah, and there's plenty of them there too. I mean, it, the thing is, like, you know, you can go for upside if you want there, but and Corey Coleman does have a lot of upside, but there's a lot of other receivers yeah. with upside in that uh, in that uh, area of the draft. And I feel like I'm going to keep talking about this, especially during Pros vs. Joe's. I think there's going to be a lot of great deals. Uh, for people getting those receivers there. Last thing I want to get to, Farrell, uh, before we get to our final break of the show is Cooper Cup. Uh, Alden Gonzalez of ESPN.com says uh, Cup has established himself as the go-to slot receiver uh, for the L.A. Rams. Mm-hmm. Should become a pretty, uh, pretty regular target for Jared Goff this year. He is a rookie from Eastern Washington that has drawn a lot of comps to Eric Decker among the uh, scouting uh, community, given the fact that he is so polished already. Uh, he does have great hands. He's not a flashy guy, uh, but uh, there's nope. not a lot of flash in that Rams offense. And again, a guy that you can get super late. I feel like I just keep talking about all these upside guys, but you can get them late right now. Cooper Cup, is he a guy that you'd be willing to invest, you know, a post 15th round pick in uh, this year, Farrell? And I'm going to draft him a little earlier because I want to get him. I, I think the quarterback is going to be all right. He's not going to be successful. He's not going to be great, but he's going to be all right. And there's no one that really plays that position there. They want to do different things with Austin. So with Cup, 
he's a player that impressed everyone at the senior bowl. There was very little, very little uh, in the scouting community that thought that, that he wouldn't make a fine addition to their team, no matter what team it was. And he landed at a really, really good space, a really good place to develop a career. Old schoolers, will remember in the College of Football Award for the top receiver is, is named after him, Freddie Bolitnikoff. He he plays very much like a Freddie Bolitnikoff. He's a little faster than Freddie, but same kind of hands. Uh, this player could go down in history as one of the one of the top receivers as far as numbers of receptions that you've seen. I, You know, he's going to be used the same way as a different player, but he's going to be used the same way as the other guy that I like, the Shepherd at the Giants. Uh, and and I look for very similar numbers, maybe um, maybe seventy five as far as his, his uh, uh, total number of passes, and uh, probably a little less than Shepard at touchdowns. Let's go six, and and you know at fourteenth and fifteenth round, that's wonderful production. At Cooper Cup, he can make it happen, and uh, we are making it happen again for you. Answering your emails, tweets, Facebook messages, everything uh, coming up after our final break. Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, which you can register for right now at kffsc.com, facebook.com slash kffsc as well. I'm Eric Balkman, and we are getting to the fantasy feedback right after this on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We are back from our final break. I am Eric Balkman. He is Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, uh, right here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Farrell, I got that year right, right? This is the 16th year of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship 2017? It is, my friend. It started uh, with uh, 24, 24 teams, Balky, 16 years ago. 16 years ago. That's just crazy to think about uh, when, when uh, you know, you look at it. I, I think about where I was uh, 16 years ago. I was only an eight-year-old kid. Uh, and <laughs> as uh, I, I've already started lying about my age on the show. I was actually a six-year-old kid back then. Farrell, we have so much to get to here. Rob, do not play the drop because we got a lot of uh, stuff. Uh, you know, the, the thing is when you have an electric talent like Farrell Elliott come on the show, the emails and everything just floods right in. So there's so much to get to. And the first one, is actually a message we received on Facebook uh, from Nate Vetter. And he writes, is there a running back to target in Denver? Follow up for Farrell. Are you coming up to Pittsburgh to see the Avid brothers at Farm Aid? Your homie, Nate Vetter. Nate, thank you so much for connecting with the show. Uh, Farrell, before we get to the Broncos uh, running back discussion, is, is, is Pittsburgh on your summer travel this, uh, this year to, uh, to see the Avid brothers? Uh, the farm aid did not like any of my clients this year. They said stay on the farm down in Kentucky. So I will not be making that trip, but I sure would like to get Nate. Uh, I promised him backstage for an Avid Brothers concert in his future, and it's going to happen. Most likely he's going to have to go cross-country to do it to the uh, Caboo Festival in San Diego 2018. But uh, I've got that lined up for Nate. Nasty Nate. And for- That's my boy. And for anybody who likes uh, the Avid brothers and are looking for something a little bit more harder, maybe a little bit more lo-fi, I like the Quiet Hollers. I, it's a fantastic <laughs> band, and it's a, it's uh, some, you know, uh, you know, their albums uh, I've been listening to at work. Great stuff, and and uh, Jay Farrell Elliott is their uh, representation. So great stuff 
uh, from the quiet hollers for sure. Let's get to the Broncos running back discussion. Farrell, you already kind of answered this question before the break. You're off everybody in, in, uh, in that situation. You don't know who to trust. And I'll tell you what, I was Mr. CJ Anderson last year, and I don't think mm-hmm. I will be this year, given that uh, no. you know his, his ADP hasn't really changed. He's going at the 604. I guess that's a little bit further down than where he was. But there's more question marks. Uh, going into this year, I hear a lot of people talking up Devontae Booker. If I'm going to take a Broncos running back, probably getting him because he's only going and, you know, you invest a 15th round pick in him and you can probably get him. Uh, but that's pretty much it for me. I'm, I'm not terribly excited about anybody in this offense. Uh, the I think I want to see, yeah, I want to see the preseason. Uh, and Balky, uh, shameful show prep on me. They, uh, the, there were draft pick running backs in Denver, and there's one that I very, very much like, and I can't recall his name uh, here tonight. Kid out of Utah, Angelo Henderson, uh, I believe. Uh, give me another one. It's not Henderson, but uh, no, it wasn't Henderson. Let me look. Uh, darn it! I shouldn't have even brought it up. But my point. No, no, is, no. Hold on. The, the, well, well, keep talking, and the, I'll, I'll I'll find out who it is. The talent just keeps coming into the Denver backfield, and now they say they're going to use them less and pass the ball more. And I'm not sure who's going to be throwing the ball. I suppose eventually it's going to be Paxton Lynch, a rookie quarterback, uh, letting it fly in, in Denver. There's just a lot of things. That, you know, if you're going to like anything, like the two receivers and stay out of this backfield, if you're talking about C.J. Anderson being drafted in an ADP, a few picks – before Marshawn Lynch, uh, that tells me that a lot of guys are drafting t- uh, teams from 2015 and not paying a lot of attention to what the future might look like. Don't draft last year's team, guys. Farrell, I can't, I can't believe you and I both missed on this. You know who the other running back in Denver is this year? Jamal Charles. Well, yeah, we know Charles is there, and Charles is saying that his knee feels fine. Uh, it's got to be bionic at this point in time, but uh, he, he does he does feel fine, and that's the wild card there. Uh, you know, he's the one player that could take with that pass for one of those quarterbacks and run 80 yards with it for a touchdown. You just don't know. You just don't know. I might like two of these guys on a draft master's team, and then I would feel real smart about myself if I hit pay dirt with – with one or two of them. But I sure don't want to put them on my 20-man roster. Let's see how many of these uh, emails we can get through here in the last uh, roughly 10 minutes of the show. Ron in Panama City, Florida. Why are more people not on Jameis Winston this year? He's set records for all of the yardage he's piled up his first two years in the league. And we have beat writers and pundits saying he's an MVP dark horse. What am I missing? Thanks, guys. Thanks for the email. Ron, Farrell, Jameis Winston, a guy you can get in the ninth round. Are you going to be on him this year? No, Ron, I sure am. And, and and by the time you get to Las Vegas to draft in the FFPC at Planet Hollywood, by the time you get to Kentucky in August to draft, you're going to find a lot of people that that you won't have to ask that question because you'll see Winston moving up the boards and deservedly so. This is an interesting one, Farrell, because since you are a player agent, you might have some insight on this. Tom in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where do you guys land on Watkins? He can never stay on the field. He's also never been in a contract year before. Uh, thanks for the email, Tom. 
Sammy Watkins going at the 404 drafts right now. Farrell, I have never drafted Watkins in my life. The mm-hmm. only uh, time I ever did was when I was co-managing a team with uh, Kurt in Kentucky. I drafted mm-hmm. him then, but I feel like Kurt was the one who decided to draft him then. And then I picked him up on waivers a couple of times last year uh, when he, uh, he got dropped and he was placed on IR. What's it like for a player? I mean, is there something to this contract year? Uh, it's a phenomenon that we've heard. And, and are you on Watkins this year? Not on Watkins this year. Yes, there's always something to a contract year. It's a boomer bust situation. They told you what they thought about their quarterback in Buffalo. Says, you know, if you want to come back, nobody else wants you, and you want to come back, we'll take you back. We'll take you back at lesser money. Uh, he's a very fine NFL player, but he's a boomer bust guy. You've got scheduling issues with who they play, and then you've got weather issues late in the year. Chances are that. Uh, he could be playing in freezing, sub-freezing temperatures in Buffalo, 40-mile-an-hour uh, winds coming off the lake when you're trying to play for your championship in Week 13. I think that devalues the player in fantasy ball. Yeah, new head coach, new offense, uh, a lot of question marks with Watkins again this year. Roy in Paines mm-hmm. Creek, California. Hi, Eric and Dave. It's actually Farrell this week. Uh, my first year playing FFPC, and I'm curious how most owners draft tight ends. Do you guys like to draft a bunch or get one super early? What's the path to success here? Farrell, what's been sort of your strategy? I, I feel like you're, you're not married to anything. Sometimes you'll draft the tight end early. Sometimes you get a few late. Uh, what, have you, what, have, what have you done mostly uh, in your FFPC career? I've I've, I've spent a lot of years trying to figure it out. I've gone too early and I've gone too late. I was was being stubborn one year and didn't grab a tight end of the 13th round. I think with the the dual flex and with the the way that the position has evolved, and you've got a lot of guys this year, uh, Minnesota's tight end, Rudolph. Uh, Martellus Bennett's an excellent player. Delaney Walker's always an excellent player. The two guys, I don't think Brake disappears from that Tampa offense. And the rookie at Tampa, Howard, good-looking ball players. I think there's so many good tight ends this year that you want to get in the tight end business and you want to have multiple good tight ends on your team. You want to have three solid tight ends on your FFPC team. This next one's from Chris in Monsey, New York. We know Balky's not a huge fan of Samanji Pirine, which usually means he's in for a massive year. <laughs> Farrell, do you like Pirine as a top 25 running back this season? TIA, that's Chris in Monsey, New York. Farrell, uh, Samanji Pirine's going at the 810 in drafts right now. Uh, Rob Kelly going at the 1006. I don't know if you favor either one, but what are your thoughts on uh, how good Samanji Pirine can be as a rookie uh, in Washington? Kelly was a uncelebrated free agent sign, and he was very good at the end of the year. P. Ryan can be excellent, and he's a number one back. He's going to go higher than that when people see him in the preseason. I mean, he's going to look good. He's going to go higher than that, and I think he'll, I think he'll present very good value in the draft. We'll just have to see how they're going to use him. It's always an explosive and interesting offense in that division. Washington's going to have to score a lot of points to compete. Uh, with the other uh, teams in the NFC East. So, yeah, P. Ryan's a very solid player. Definitely early. Go ahead and get him. Go ahead and draft him. 
And I always like that about those NFC East teams. You always you draft those guys. They always seem to get into shootouts, which is always so great uh, for fantasy. Neil in Houston, Texas, which Titan receiver would you rather own this year, Corey Davis or Eric Decker? And Farrell, the ADPs on these guys have changed over the last couple of weeks, especially since Decker signed in Tennessee. You guys are both going in the late ninth round, and now Eric Decker is going in the late eighth round. Corey Davis has fallen to the late tenth. Do you think FFPC drafters have it right? Is Decker the guy to own over Davis? They do, and, and Decker will give a solid play through the year. I've always been a Decker fan. Um, he has a good way of finding the end zone. You know, historically, he's going to find the end zone for you. And I think he'll thrive in this offense. I think he's got a great situation for himself. Uh, they did a good job with finding this player a place to play. I think he's going to be happy. I think he's going to like being in that culture of the Titans locker room. Next email is from Russ in Tigard or Tigard. Uh, I don't know how it is. Uh, Oregon, somewhere in Oregon. Tigard. We'll say it. Mm. Hi, Eric and Farrell. I keep getting Alshon Jeffrey at the three, four turn in my FFPC satellites. Do you guys think mm-hmm. I'm paying too much for him? Absolutely love this podcast. Thank you uh, so much, Russ. Well, he actually is going right at that spot. So I, I would say from a value standpoint, it's not like you're overdrafting him comparing uh, to where he is going in FFPC uh, drafts right now. The 311, Farrell, is, is that appropriate value for Alshon Jeffrey there? You're going to be rewarded because you've got a quarterback throwing the ball. You know, Jeffrey, Jeffrey's had a hell of a time with, with dealing with quarterbacks in Chicago. Now he's got a rookie quarter or a second-year quarterback that has, has come a long way that I really, really admire. Uh, Jeffrey has a size. He's got adequate speed, and he's on a one-year deal, Balky. You talk about a player that wants to show up and get paid. He's on a one-year deal. I like You know, if we can see him developing chemistry with Carson Wentz, watch how their relationship is. Watch how during the preseason, because neither one of them will play that much, watch how they're standing around and and communicating on the sidelines. You can learn a lot from that. Alshon Jeffrey is, is, is really primed for an excellent year. Larry in Weehawken, New Jersey. Let's move on to him. He writes, hello, Wisconsin and Kentucky. Any love for Latavius Murray if he is indeed named the starter over Dalvin Cook this season? Thanks for the email, Larry. That, that, that was kind of bizarre. We, we saw something this week. I don't know if it was Zimmer or somebody in the coaching staff said Latavius Murray is the starter, which is weird because he's hurt right now and, and Dalvin Cook looks mm-hmm. great and you know he was a second round pick in Minnesota it seems like the future at running back there I don't know if that's just you know coach speak or um, you know what have you but Dalvin Cook is going at the 504 in uh, FFPC drafts Latavius Murray is not being selected until the 710 is there any value for Latavius Murray at the 710 Farrell because I, I can't I can't see myself drafting him a whole lot uh, with that price tag no um, and, and this is a player that I admire I really really like he's you know, what was it, 12 touchdowns last year? That that saved you if you drafted Murray last year. I think we've got a situation where, you know, they're not going to say it, but I think in Minnesota there's already a little buyer's remorse. If they thought they could have got a player uh, at the position like they did uh, in the draft with the rookie out of Florida State, then, then, then you're probably not going to see them uh, get into the Latavius Murray business. He's going to be a contributor. He's going to be good for this team and a good football player. He's going to drive you crazy if you're going to try to start him in the FFPC or the KFFSC as your running back and expect big numbers. Rob is telling me we only have time for one more, so I will go to Twitter for this one. And 
This was a, a an account at David Gerzak actually tweeted out, wow, it's June 29th. Hashtag Andrew Luck isn't even throwing yet, nor being drafted at a discount. Hard pass on luck for me, pun intended. Hashtag fantasy. So that is what Dave said about Andrew Luck uh, June 29th, which would have been yesterday. So you look at Andrew Luck uh, going in, in FFPC drafts right now, Farrell at the 611, not much of a discount. Are you concerned that, that he still is not throwing, or is this sort of the regimen that we expected to see from Luck this offseason? You know, when I'm not playing fantasy football in Las Vegas, uh, for recreational purposes only, I'll make my way over to the craps table, and I suppose at, at the craps table it's just like everybody in Indianapolis. I'm waiting for Luck. Because once he gets there, he's going to be fine. Uh, tough ball player, good ball player. I'm not concerned about that. I, when when camp's open, I'm sure this player is going to be there. Um, but I want to see him. I want to see him play a little bit. And let's say he is. You know, we determined that he is healthy. I don't know if I want to pay that price in the sixth round for a quarterback. Sometimes when and I've had him in the FFPC where he falls to the eighth, and that's when I I want to draft my quarterback in the tenth. But if luck is around in the eighth, early eighth round, and I'm there, I'm grabbing him. So that's what I think about luck. Great stuff uh, from you, Farrell. For everybody who is still interested and has inexplicably not signed up for the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship yet, go to. Go to KFFSC.com, Facebook.com slash KFFSC, SquareUp.com slash store slash KFFSC. And, of course, Farrell, hit them with the digits again if they want to give you a buzz. Oh, I'd love to hear from you this evening, guys. 502-523-5057. I'm working all day on July 4th. Give me a ring. Well, and a very happy fourth to you, my friend. This was uh, quite the pleasure. It always is when you sit in uh, on this show. Let's do this again in a couple of weeks for sure and, and, and just uh, check in with you uh, throughout the summer. We'd, we'd love to have you on to answer some more emails since you did such a great job uh, with it tonight. A happy Independence Day to you, my friend, and uh, we will talk to you and see you again very soon. Thank you, Bobby. Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Always a pleasure to have him on, and I hope you enjoyed it. We went a little overtime tonight, but I, I don't feel that uh, you'll be too upset about that given uh, the fact that uh, it was uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Farrell tonight, which is always good on this show. Um, okay, that is going to do it for tonight. Uh, let's wrap things up, and I will thank Farrell Elliott. Uh, for coming on the show tonight. I want to thank the FFPC. I want to thank Rob, Bryce, and of course, all of you for listening to us here on this holiday weekend. Very, very cool. Uh, Next week, no Dave again, but 2016 Football Guys Players Championship League Champion and 2017 Pros versus Joe's competitor, Steve Rezus will be on the show. He will co-host with me. That will be exciting. I want to remind everybody to sign up for the Football Guys Players Championship in the main event. Register for those double-ups. Happy Independence Day, and uh, your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Tim again, the sound of engine in is like a bird. You see fireworks and Corvette tire skirt, the boulevard. I know how you work, I know just who you are. See, use a, use a, use a bitch, yo, I'm on Charlie.
I remember we got satellites and dynasty leagues going on too, people. Those double ups, they're very exciting. Check them out, myffpc.com, and sign up for the KFFSC at kffsc.com. Okay, final plug. We're done. Scott Engel, Hall of Fame, is up next on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Happy Independence Day. Be safe with those fireworks.